Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to Get Lifted with me, Lisa Snowden. Once again, thank you so much for joining me. We are halfway through this first series of Get Lifted. And as you know, this podcast is for everyone. It's for men, it's for women, it's whoever needs it. And today's episode is no exception. So this episode is called Menopause Madness because that is genuinely how I felt and how I know a lot of women have felt going into this new phase of our lives. We don't recognise ourselves, we put on weight, the anxiety is crippling, the night sweats, the sleepless nights. Life as we know it changes so dramatically and You know I'm passionate about this subject. If you follow me on Instagram, I do a weekly chat with an amazing doctor called Dr. Menopause Care, Dr. Potter. And we do midweek menopause madness and we've been doing it for months now. So for me, it's about having this conversation, spreading the word, learning, getting ourselves tooled up with information so we know what the options are out there for us to navigate this really tricky time in our lives. I just want women to feel the best they possibly can. And guys, if you're listening, you can help them to do that. If you hear this podcast and you recognize that there's a woman in your life that might need some help, then this is going to be so powerful in helping her. So today I speak to three amazing people, all experts in their field. Dr. Naomi Potter who, of course, I do my midweek menopause lives with. Naomi is a British Menopause Society accredited doctor with a background in women's health and general practice. Naomi established Menopause Care Limited, a team of specialist doctors seeing women via video link from all over the UK. I think women should be shouting from the rooftops about this, really, because I think this is a classic example of patriarchy in medicine. We're also going to talk to Dr. Gaylina, who is both an aesthetic doctor and a body specialist and is a trained psychiatrist. Get the jiggy jiggy going. Get the jiggy jiggy back on, baby. And Dr. Shazadi Harper, who is a menopause doctor with a lot of sass. Um, Dr. Shazadi is also the founder of the Harper Clinic and she has a fabulous new book out. It's called The Perimenopause Solution that she's written alongside her friend Emma Bardwell. We want to be the best version of ourselves. We want to feel good and look good. And I don't think that is asking too much. And as usual with Get Lifted, I like to tackle these topics with a little bit of humour, but a lot of information. 
Now, before we kick off this episode, I just want to reiterate that we discuss a whole range of topics on the show. It's important for you to understand that I'm not a trained professional and any advice that I give is purely my own opinion. Now, if you want to engage in any of the therapies, the services, anything that we discuss throughout the series or in this show today, just make sure that you always talk to a trained and accredited professional so they can tailor their service to your particular health and medical needs. It's really important that you bear that in mind and that you speak to your GP or your doctor before you change anything. But I do want you to enjoy this episode. Right, let's get lifted. Dr. Shazadi, I'm so happy to connect with you finally. I know, amazing. Thank you, Lisa. I love what you do. I wanted to pick your brains today because Get Lifted is all about self-care, self-love. And I think for us women, we get to a certain age and things just start to go a little bit haywire. And it's really hard to work out what's going on. First of all, for me, it started with anxiety, um, weight gain, depression, um, and everything just started just unraveling almost. And I started to feel really quite unconnected with my body um, and really down about everything. And I know that you um, you specialize in menopause and perimenopause at the Harper mm. Clinic. So I would just love to talk to you about what is happening to our bodies, to our minds, to our skin, to everything as we kind of move into this kind of new phase of our lives? I mean, I think you're absolutely right. You know, everything seems to collide at this point. And when we're younger, we're probably focusing on our careers, maybe having children, maybe finding the right partner. Um, And often as women, we don't really prioritise ourselves at all. And we get to this middle point in our life. And what's going on is those hormones that we've, you know, sort of made us a woman, you know, given us our periods um, and um, sort of our curves, they start to sort of go out of balance, you know, out of kilter. So you're still getting your periods, but maybe they're not quite the same. You know, your usual cycle might have shortened. Um, and alongside that, because of those hormonal fluctuations and changes, all of these symptoms, which maybe you might not have associated with your hormones, like anxiety, like not sleeping, you know, even that feeling of dread, palpitations, these start, these symptoms start to occur in the body. Um, and, um, you know, they can be quite frightening because we don't really know much about them um, until I think recent times when people have been speaking up about them. And whilst we might have heard of menopause, often it's really just hot flushes, moody, irritable women, and much older women. So these changes that are going on are because our ovaries are no longer producing those hormones, particularly estrogen, in the same way that they used to do. Um, And that's why we get all of these changes. And, you know, often I see women because their hair has thinned or, you know, they're losing their hair, anxiety, or they looked in the mirror and they feel that they've just grown old all of a sudden or aged quicker. And like you said, weight gain. And particularly, you know, for women, you know, whether or not you're in the public eye or not, in the sense we are so judged by the way that we appear, the way we look, um, and we can start to feel invisible around this time. Yeah, and it comes out of nowhere. It did for me anywhere. And I think, you know, I was just dealing with my periods and the sort of the erraticness of them and the sort of the moodiness that would overtake me from week to week. And and then all of a sudden now the M word has come into my life. And I'm like, how did that happen? I know, you I know. know, I, was, I, know. I was trying to get pregnant a few years ago. And now this is like obviously not going to happen. Um, but it is all those other things that are so psychologically damaging 
especially in the society we live in, you know, like you said, you just assume that being perimenopausal or going through the menopause is something to be ashamed of and something that just signifies old age, you're past it, you might as well just give up and go and just live in a corner somewhere and just not even bother. Exactly. And and I think it's those psychological symptoms which are the most affecting, really, because you're unaware, you're scared, um, and you start to lose that sense of yourself. Naomi, Dr. Menopause Care. Oh my gosh, where do we start? Okay, let's start with symptoms. The list is endless, let's be honest, you know. My own personal experience, I think it was anxiety, weight gain, mood swings, hot flushes, cold, freezing cold flushes in the evening, um, depression as well of some sort. You know, I think it definitely, I didn't feel myself. I didn't recognize myself. What would you say are the sort of the first symptoms that people notice that come to you for? The problem is that there is such a huge array and how they affect different people at different times is just is is so vast. Typically speaking, what people recognise as the perimenopause is periods changing or getting less frequent um, and hot flushes and night sweats. But what we actually see in reality is just a much, much wider spectrum of symptoms, particularly anxiety, depression, like brain not working as well. So word finding difficulties, brain fog, difficulty in concentration, um, and then more physical symptoms. So hair changes, skin changes, and then really any symptom with you know to do with any organs. So eye symptoms, ears, chest pain, palpitations. Um, bowels changing, urinary tract infections or symptoms going more often, getting up in the night, muscle pains, joint pains, weight gain. <laughs> <laughs> it's reminding me, you're reminding me of the muscle pains and, and also the getting up in the night. Oh my God, like every hour I was peeing, peeing all through the night and sweating, like waking up and the, the sheets would be soaking, my hair would be soaking. And I was like, how am I peeing when I can't be drinking that much? Like, why is that happening then? Why are there so many symptoms and why is it so varied? So you have oestrogen receptors everywhere. I mean, they're particularly um, dense on the urinary tract. Um, And so you have bladder sensitivity, um, and that's why you go more often. You have irritation in the tube that connects the bladder to the outside world, and that can cause you to go more often. Your whole pelvic floor doesn't work as well because it's all sensitive to oestrogen, and without the oestrogen, it just doesn't function properly. Um, in terms of the rest of the body, it's the same. Oestrogen receptors are everywhere, and oestrogen is a metabolic hormone. So that's why you gain weight, because the oestrogen's just not there. It's why you distribute the fat differently, so it goes around your middle and away from your periphery, so away from your arms, your legs, under the skin in your face, and that's why faces change. Um, so it's all to do with oestrogen affecting all of your organs some people notice it and some people don't just in the same way that some people are sensitive to some things and not others there isn't really a way of predicting it and symptoms can come and go even during one woman's menopause so they may start with hot flushes and they may disappear and then something else may happen and that might disappear and then something else might happen it's it's very unpredictable I'm having a hot flush now. I swear, no word of a lie. I'm like, gosh, I'm like, have I got too many layers on? Strip off, put it back on, strip it off, put it back on. It's the story of my life. It's like I can never get my internal temperature right. It's just so, it just fluctuates so much. 
So, um, but estrogen replacement will help that, and very quickly. Okay. So within mm-hmm. a few days, estrogen replacement should stop hot flushes and nights. With maybe not a few days, but really, really. I quickly. want it to be a few days. Can you say it's a few days? I've just got new medication. I want it to be within a few days. seconds. <laughs> I want that placebo effect of like, oh my god, I've like all my estrogen receptors are fully loaded. Um, um, okay, so you, I was picking up what you said about pelvic floor. So is that why we need to sometimes we ourselves, like we're, we know we're at the front door and we can't get our keys out of our bag quick enough and you literally feel like you're going to wet yourself and that just comes out of nowhere. Is that to do with the estrogen dropping out of our body as well? Yeah, yeah, because it, the, because your pelvic floor and your bladder doesn't function. In, in women, it's supposed to be estrogenized tissue. And without that estrogen, everything kind of functions less well it's a bit like you know wd-40 it's it's like taking away the wd-40 for pretty much everything and when you said about us it's it's sort of very aging isn't it it's like the bone structure goes the muscle tone goes i don't know if it's the bone structure well i guess it does because bone density is affected yeah bones remodel collagen is lost skin becomes more dry you lose the fat that keeps everything kind of in position (laughs) and youthful and juicy <laughs> basically you're saying we're losing the juice the wd-40 yeah. has gone yeah <laughs> and oh so and, and in some in some women it's much more noticeable than than in than in others it's not fair really dr harper let's talk about menopause in the workplace a lot of women talk about memory loss forgetfulness brain fog and you might be at the height of your career and there you are sort of then struggling in a presentation in a meeting or just to maintain your job lots of women actually leave their jobs and I think that is so frustrating and I feel so angry because when you leave your job you also lose your financial well-being and if you're someone like me I mean I'm single mum so I'm the earner in my family so if I don't earn where does the income come from and we know from all the studies that have been done that the socioeconomics also affect our health. You know, it's really important to keep women in the workplace, to keep women feeling vibrant and um, feeling sexy and in this new chapter of their life and for them to understand that it can be a new chapter, it can be a positive chapter. It's not all downhill from here. And I think that's what, for me, is a really important message to get out there. Absolutely. I like that. I like it's a new chapter. It's not a negative. It's just a new phase, a new chapter So let's talk about hormone replacement therapy. So let's talk HRT and the benefits. And does it work quickly? How quickly can we start to feel like ourselves again? So I think it's a bit challenging for women, you know, especially if you get into your early 40s and you've still got periods, you think, at what point can I start hormone replacement therapy if that's something I want to do? I mean, I often say this is your chance to really take hold of your health and it's a joint responsibility. So we do have to think about things like, you know, drinking, smoking, diet, exercise, and those all come hand in hand. But sometimes because of those hormonal changes, we're tired, you know, lacking that motivation, lacking that energy to make those changes. So hormone replacement therapy, I mean, it's had a bit of a bad press in the last sort of 20 years. And so often women have missed out on it. They've uh, been denied it partly because some of the studies that came out, which were showing that it gave women a higher rate of heart disease. But when we went back and looked at those studies, they were done on much older women of average age of 63. So they're not really relevant to when we are thinking about starting HRT. So there's an optimum time, often called the window of opportunities. So that's within 10 years of your menopause. And what hormone replacement therapy does is exactly what it says on the tin. 
it replaces those hormones that your ovaries are no longer producing. So one way of thinking about menopause and perimenopause is as a hormone deficiency state. And, you know, just like if you might have an underactive thyroid. So, um, and there are lots of newer, safer forms of HRT out there. You know, lots made from sort of natural substances like yam, um, ones that go through the skin. Um, And so, you know, it's really important to recognise that the HRT of 20 years ago is not really the HRT of now that we now prescribe. And it is relatively safe for most women if it started within that window of opportunity 10 years of their menopause. So what does that actually mean, this 10-year window of opportunity? Because it's half the time just getting the right diagnosis from your GP that Mm. this is actually what's happening to you rather than, you know, like you said, this lack of energy, this feeling very lethargic and putting on weight. You could just think, well, actually, maybe I'm just being a bit lazy or I'm just lacking energy or maybe I've got a virus. Like for years, I just thought I had a, a continuous virus. I initially thought, oh, I've just got like chronic fatigue or something. So getting that window, that prime window of opportunity, that is going to be tricky for some of us. And that's really important what you've just said, because I also speak up about those kind of conditions that can mimic those symptoms. And chronic fatigue is one, and underactive thyroid is one. Iron deficiency anemia, if you've got heavy periods or if you're vegetarian, is another one. Vitamin B12, vitamin D deficiency. So all of these can almost mimic that same sort of fatigue, anxiety, palpitations, hair loss that you might be experiencing also because of hormonal changes, and they can coexist. So it is important to try and unravel and untangle it, but some of the untangling is to sort of think about what are your periods doing? Are they irregular? Um, And also the other symptoms which you wouldn't get with those um, sort of conditions like hot sweats, um, um, you know, hot flushes, um, vaginal dryness, you know, loss of libido. So some of those conditions wouldn't be associated with chronic fatigue or an underactive thyroid. And that window of opportunity, what we're talking about is if women are started on HRT within 10 years of their menopause or under the age of 60, then it's relatively safe because we know that estrogen provides us protection from the point of view, heart protection, brain protection and bone protection. So as we grow older, I often explain to women, as we grow older, look, that's something we can't change. It's going to happen naturally, but we can do it in the best way possible. So our risk for everything, for stroke, for breast cancer, for heart disease, increases as we grow older. So if we start earlier making those changes, then we can try and lower those overall risks. And the biggest thing I think women worry about is breast cancer, you know, because we hear so much about breast cancer. And, you know, whilst I can't say to you HRT is not going to increase your risk of breast cancer at all, you know, there are certain types which really don't raise your risk much at all. And it's all about individualising the risk. The women I see are almost in despair because of their symptoms. It's impacting their relationships. It's making them feel miserable. And so when we weigh it up, the slight increased risk in breast cancer But if they were to carry on increasing in weight, actually obesity has a much higher risk uh, of increasing your risk of breast cancer than HRT does. So, um, you know, we put it into perspective like that. And I think it's important for women to be aware that oestrogen does give us protection for our heart. It helps with the elasticity of our blood vessels. And that's why we women um, who are pre-menopause will have a lower risk of heart disease than men. But then once we go through menopause, 
actually we catch up pretty quickly to men because um, we lose that protective effect of oestrogen. We as women, um, post-menopausally, twice as many women suffer from dementia compared to men. But we also know that actually things like obesity um, has a huge contributory factor to dementia. And women around the age of menopause, about 67% of the UK population of women are either overweight or obese. So, you know, these are things that we also need to factor in and not just give HRT a um, negative press. It needs to be put into perspective. And that's why I often do talk about the benefits versus the risk for each individual woman. And, you know, sometimes it is a bit of trial and error to find the right one or to find the right dose for each person. It may not be the one that suits you, suits your friend or vice versa. And it may take a little bit of time to get there. And I often talk about it as a journey. You know, it's not a one stop. It's a journey because we are evolving and changing. Our ovaries are also producing less and less hormones. So we may need a bit more here. We may need to tweak it there. So it's all about putting it into perspective. So I guess my next question is um, the reason why we end up having to pay and go private is because we don't get the help that we necessarily want when we do go to our local GP. Um, Why is that and how can we change it? I think, firstly, there is still a big hangover from the studies that came out in the early 2000s when massive studies that looked at the association between HRT and breast cancer and heart disease and strokes. And at the time, we thought that it very much showed that HRT was a bad thing to do in terms of risk. So they thought that there was a very high um, incidence of breast cancer or risk of breast cancer. And the same, they thought for the first time, really, that it caused heart disease, heart attacks and strokes. But it's only in recent years where people have gone back and looked at the data that they've realised that the studies were really flawed. So So the women were much older, they were using old-fashioned drugs, it was all oral HRT, big doses, and much less healthy population. And when we've done more recent studies, it actually shows HRT to be so much safer. But what the problem is, is that that new information hasn't fed through both to the general public and also to a lot of medical practitioners who may have trained, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. I remember going to a talk on HRT where it was like, right, you've got to take everybody off it. This is bad. Look at this new data. So so I think there's a combination of the fact that doctors are not adequately trained. They think that HRT is bad. They have a 10-minute appointment with somebody who may present with symptoms that are not typical of the perimenopause at all. They may be going in with their anxiety and their chest pain. You think, oh, gosh, I better send them to a cardiologist or their joint pain and muscle pain, and then they must send them to a rheumatologist. Um, that's why they get lost and they might go back and see a different doctor who then starts again and it is difficult but I think doctors need training and they need their menopause radar and of course it's really important to exclude other causes if you come in as a 40 year old woman with palpitations and chest pain you need to exclude you know a heart cause for that but you must have at the back of your mind if these investigations come back as normal what could it be and the first thing then would be to think is it hormones If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Can you explain? the bloods and the results and why it is so confusing. When you send bloods off to a lab, they come back to you reported as to whether they're in the normal range or an abnormal range. And if they're in the normal range, they often come back as black and you just tick normal. And if they come back in the abnormal range, they come back as red. But the problem is that hormone um, levels can vary enormously. So in a woman of 70, it's very normal to have what we call an FSH of a very high level because she's postmenopausal that's normal you will expect her fsh to be high mm-hmm. in the same way that you will expect her estrogen to be low but when you get the results back of a 43 year old woman who is displaying these symptoms their blood results may still come back as normal because they've been looked at through a general screen rather than specific to her. So it would be normal for a 75-year-old woman to have an undetectable estrogen, but not for a 40-year-old woman. But it still might be interpreted as normal because that's what the lab says. And therein lies the problem. Hmm. They do put a kind of normal range in, but you have to kind of put two and two together. And if you're not used to looking at those results and you know what you're looking for, it's really tricky. And only really menopause doctors are taught what to look for in terms of bloods. What would you advise for women to do when they're in an appointment with their doctor? Like, how do you push for a hormone test or just to get some kind of resolution, some kind of treatment? What would be your advice? 
So if you are over 45 and you are having any of the symptoms that we've talked about and you want to take HRT, then go and find a doctor who is a women's health doctor, ideally. If you can take somebody in with you, then that's even better. Ask for a double appointment and tell them that you would like to start on HRT. Um, If you are under the age of 45, then it is useful to get some bloods done, but it's important to not put too much emphasis on them. If you think that you're not going to get very far without persuading the doctor, I would go in armed with the NICE guidelines and the guidelines from the British Menopause Society about treatment of perimenopause and menopause. And then hopefully that should get you far enough that they will do as you want. Um, If you don't have much luck from one doctor, most practices have got more than one doctor. I would go back and find somebody else. And particularly the registrar, so the more junior GP, they tend to be a better bet because they tend to have longer appointment times allocated to them anyway. And also they tend to be more up to date. They've you know, been through medical school more recently. They're keen to learn. They're keen to look things up and they, they can be a better bet. Okay. And you've also mentioned before about taking somebody in because for those yeah. of you who are just catching up with Naomi and I now, you know that we've got our menopause madness Instagram that we do on a regular basis. And the amazing advice that you gave us before to take somebody in with you if you are in an awful headspace where you just are at your wits end and you're just feeling absolutely wretched. And like you said before, like trying to clutch at words and, and, and have a conversation, having the confidence to do that and just feeling completely overwhelmed, over anxious hot sweats um you haven't slept because you've been up all night peeing and sweating and then you're completely frazzled and then you go to the doctors you don't get the answers you want then as Naomi said before take somebody with you to the appointment somebody that can speak on your behalf yeah and they're also likely to remember the conversation as well so they can be your advocate and also they can come away with a memory of what's happened so back in the day when HRT was demonised in 2002, right, that's when all the reports came out, yeah? And was that a pill that we take, like a one-size-fits-all kind of thing? So we would get an even amount of all three of the sort of sex hormones, as it were. They didn't normally contain testosterone. It was normally oestrogen, progesterone, or you could get the oestrogen on its own if you'd had a hysterectomy. And yes, they were often at much higher doses and synthetic oestrogens and synthetic progesterones so in terms of breast cancer risk your progesterone is just as important as your oestrogen and the the new micronized progesterone the eutrogestan is the lowest risk for breast cancer so all of those things kind of add together and cumulatively reduce risk and synthetic so how is this new how are these body identical how do how do they mimic how do they make them like how is that a natural product they're based on plants so soya and yam i think how they're extracted are kind of closely guarded secrets but um, they are the the hormone chemical structure is the same as the the hormone that we have the most of, so the most estradiol and the body identical progesterone. Whereas there's loads of synthetic progesterones which are less kind to the body, so they're much more likely to give side effects and also much more likely to give you breast cancer in combination with an oestrogen. There are some benefits to taking some of the synthetic progesterones, though, and sometimes there is a genuine reason why you would do that. But again, that's that's kind of menopause specialist realms. So, mm-hmm. for example, if you've got problems with bleeding, then you would use a different progesterone. Um, and if you're very intolerant of one progesterone, you might try another 
but it's going for the lowest risk first. And the coil, the coil that releases progesterone into your system. That releases progesterone locally. Yeah, the Mirena coil does. And it's one way of providing the progesterone component of HRT. Also, very conveniently, it can help with bleeding because the progesterone thins the lining. So you're much less likely to bleed on it. And it also acts like contraception. So it's a kind of three in one bonus and is it better to have it localized it makes sense that i mean because some people do pessaries as well don't they if you are progesterone sensitive then you can under the care of your doctor um, use your progesterone oral capsules you can use them vaginally it's off license (laughs) but it is um it works because it gets absorbed locally and it goes straight to where it needs to be which is to thin that lining Dr. Shazadi, let's talk about the impact that that decline in oestrogen has all over the body. So when we lose oestrogen, we lose collagen and we lose it really fast. You know, we lose it rapidly. It's about a 2 to 5% a year loss in our 40s. And then post-menopause, it's like a 30% drop. It's almost like falling off a cliff. And that's why the skin becomes thinner, crepier, more wrinkled. We lose that sort of plumpness. And women talk about, you know, face versus figure, um, you know, about losing weight. They tend to look a little bit more gaunt. And so it's because we've lost collagen. But not only do we lose collagen from our face, we've also got collagen in our vagina. And the same changes that are going on in our face, that sort of thin, crepey skin, um, that dryness is also going on in our vagina. So it can make sex uncomfortable because we're not well lubricated. It can make it actually painful. So some women talk about it like duty sex um, whereas they're not particularly enjoying it and it can feel like shards of glass for some oh my god people think about vaginal dryness or pelvic floor changes like if they're coughing or sneezing and they're peeing they think that happens in your 60s or 70s and I think women believe that it has to almost happen it's part of aging but it doesn't and you can do things about it so okay so let's talk about those things because when I see those adverts on the telly it makes me really angry about like hey use this tenor lady because you're going to be fine like as if we're going to just accept that we're going to need to pee our pants like on a daily basis it is not acceptable for me more money has to go into educating women and providing services so that we know how to prevent this from happening so is that collagen and estrogen as well the pelvic floor the cradle that all starts to what the control of it the cradle of it like what happens so so I often talk about the pelvic floor like a hammock you know it's it's attached at the front at the pubic bones and then at the back to your coccyx sort of um, roughly and so because um, estrogen is responsible for that elasticity and for that collagen as estrogen levels decline we lose that ping factor so things start to sag And the pelvic floor holds our bladder, our vagina and our back passage. So because the pelvic floor sags, our bladder is sitting a little bit lower and then it sort of presses on the nerve endings, which then send um, messages to our brain to sort of say we need to keep going for a pee. And also because that pelvic floor is weaker, when we cough, it doesn't support the bladder in the same way as it used to. And that's why we end up peeing or sort of leaking a bit of urine. And, um, you know, sometimes some women have prolapse, that their vagina is sort of coming down a little bit further than it should do. And, And these are all pelvic floor issues. And it's because 
the pelvic floor, which is a muscle, has lost its sort of ping factor. And it's like any muscle, you know, we have to work at it, but also estrogen helps to maintain it. And losing that estrogen means that we really have to work at our pelvic floor exercises. And I don't think we're told enough about our pelvic floor exercises. Um, Even if you've had children, you're sort of almost given a sheet and off you go away to do it. And I've had one daughter and I know as a busy woman, it's really hard to do it. And yet I'm a doctor. Mm. I'm doing it now. I'm squeezing. I'm squeezing. Whenever we mention the word pelvic floor, I end up doing it, but then I forget about it. Well, well, there are two different ways to do it. So one is that slightly slower method where you squeeze, um, squeeze up and you count to 10 and relax. And that is much harder than you think it is. Mm. The other way of doing it is think about if you're holding in a fart. Okay. okay. So, and, and you can do lots of little holds, you know, sort of really rapid ones, sort of, uh, you know, quick, 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 yeah, um, quick sort fire, of holding quick your fire ones. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's another way of doing it. And I just thought, okay, that's great. So maybe that's an easier way of doing it. But, but plus there are devices out there that you can go and get, um, you know, which help to tone your pelvic floor. One of the things um, at my clinic is, is a vaginal laser machine, which helps to sort of strengthen your pelvic floor and tighten your vagina, particularly for those reasons for urinary incontinence. So so there are lots of things out there for women that you can do and use. But I think it's just that women don't know about it. No, we don't. You know, we I, don't. I often think about my vaginal laser machine as some a little gem hidden away um, that women don't know that they can have done to improve those symptoms. There she is, Dr. Galina. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. Um, the podcast is called Get Lifted, and I just thought, what better person to speak to about everything lifting, fighting gravity than you? What a great name, actually. Thank you. Our philosophy, and yes, we, you know, at Dr. Rita Raker's clinic, we have so many machinery to do two things: a to prevent the changes. And then, of course, when the changes occur, to reverse them. And the way we do them is very non-invasively. So we like to make your body work. We want to remind your body by using energy, like radio frequency, ultrasound, that it needs to be working. And the idea is that if you start in your 40s, that you'll be able to preserve more collagen or develop more collagen so you see less changes as you go closer to menopause. If you already, let's say, reached menopause but decided, okay, I can't take it anymore, I can't take my reflection anymore, I need to do something about it, and it has nothing to do with vanity. It's actually see it as taking control of your life. You know, in the same way as you take control of your sleep, in the same way as you take control of your mindfulness, you can take control of how you age. It's all about healthy aging. It's not anti-aging. It's not pro-aging. It's all about healthy aging with a healthy psych. So you can slow down the aging. You can reverse the signs of aging. And we are able to address that in a safe manner because we use non-invasive technology that has very little side effects. I mean, I know I, firsthand, I've, I've been lucky enough to be... Um, oh, I love looking after your face. <laughs> by you. You've been looking after my face. Um, you've helped me in other areas too. <laughs> I love the other areas. <laughs> you've sat me 
me on a chair and zapped me up through my vagina. Well, let's 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 just uh, let's just to avoid any controversy here. Let's say that I actually took care of your pelvic floor muscle rather than um, directly zapped your vagina. I think it's very clear that we need to 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 to. Um, yes, I think I'm blushing right now. <laughs> You're blushing. No. no, but you have. You've helped me with my pelvic floor. The thing is, you do treatments all over the body at the clinic. You can do you do the face, you do the tummy, you do everywhere. You can do fat freezing and the everything. The bum lift, yeah. The the, the bum. We we do we do the whole body. But it's but it's all non-invasive. It's all machines. Yes. Um, and the the chair that um, I've sat on before, which is amazing. I am super passionate about intimate health. And yeah. for me, intimate health, for a woman, it is such a life-changing moment. It is such a empowering moment. My patient put it really nicely. She said, I put lipstick on my lips. I put mascara on my eye. How can I completely neglect a part of my body which is so significant for my life and for my health? So she was just looking after the entire body in a way. Yeah. Seeing it connected, seeing it all connected Absolutely. as one. Absolutely. And what you are talking about is, of course, the, the that slight incontinence and that slight oops moments that unfortunately get worse and worse with age. But there is another aspect of it, which is with hormonal changes and with menopause, of course, the libido goes down. Your confidence in some parts of your body goes down. Yeah. In some extremes, it actually becomes painful because of the dryness. It becomes painful to have intercourse. So a lot of women would choose not to even be approached by their husbands, lovers, or partners because it is such a delicate and sometimes emotionally delicate, but sometimes physically delicate area. And to be able to give that back, get the sensation going again, yeah, yeah. get the jiggy-jiggy going. Get the jiggy-jiggy back on, baby. Listen, the one of my patients calls it polishing the cherry because she says this is like a little cherry on the top of my cake and she feels complete again so of course all in the name of research i booked myself a treatment at the clinic okay so i thought i would just do a quick recording on my phone on the chair on the m seller chair have a little listen to this It sounds like a rattlesnake, right? Okay, wait a second. <laughs> Dr. Gaylina, come here. <laughs> Are you recording your vagina? <laughs> and it literally just goes like that. You sit on it for 30 minutes. And I'm just sitting in my clothes, just very comfortably reading a book and feeling the vibration. There is a different sound that comes in a minute. Let's see if we can wait for it. It's like a little intermittent sound that is relaxing the muscle after it's been stimulated, I guess. I mean, the muscle looks strange. I'm literally holding a phone between my legs. And I'm behind a screen, so nobody can actually see me. It's all very, uh, it's all very covert here at the Rita Rakers Clinic, <laughs> hiding behind a screen. But the sound gives everything away. There's no denying I'm sitting on this chair. And every time you hear that kind of rattlesnake noise, it's contracting the muscle in my pelvic floor. 
And so it's almost like everything contracts and everything tightens. Oh, here we go, listen. And that just helps to relax the muscle. Just to kind of calm everything down after those rather intense vibrations. So just getting back to including HRT or introducing that into our lives in this situation, you've mentioned the skin, the collagen, the bones, the structure of our face dropping, the dryness in our vagina, the cradle of the pelvic floor. When we do introduce an estrogen or HRT of some sort into our systems, is this reversible? All of these symptoms? Yes. Um, I mean, and one of the things to also think about, so HRT, when we usually talking about it we're talking about general HRT you know the the tablets the patches the sprays the gels but you know one of the things that you can also have is localized vaginal estrogen which you know just helps with that pelvic floor area um, in particular so what estrogen does is it helps to I wouldn't say you know it's not like reversing aging you know totally but what it's doing is it's helping to put back some of that loss. So helping to rebuild bone, it's helping to boost collagen production in your face and also in your vagina, also improve lubrication because it helps the cells to reproduce down there, the ones that help to make the moisture. So yes, it can very much help. And I usually say to women, if you are to start hormone replacement therapy, you normally do notice a difference in some of your symptoms in about two weeks, more in four weeks, and then, you know, more so over time as your symptoms change and improve and as you get more into your system. And usually, you know, when women come back for their review about two or three months later, you know, sometimes I honestly don't recognize them because... It's so amazing! I honestly don't because um, they look younger, brighter, lighter. They've got makeup on. Sometimes I'm looking at my screen just to double check it's the same person. So I've started saying to them, take a selfie on the day you come and see me and then let's compare it to when you come back and see me because it really does make a difference and they can see the changes in their face. And also, if you think about it, when you're happier, you look younger, you look more sort of youthful and vibrant and glowy. And the loss of collagen also means that you lose that sort of luminosity and glow in your face as well. So many women, myself included, need testosterone. Why is that? Well, (laughs) that pisses me off. I think women should be shouting from the rooftops about this, really, because I think this is a classic example of patriarchy in medicine. We only have drugs available once they've been developed and tested. And historically, it was men that were in charge of these studies, and it was men who had the big roles in medicine. And nobody thought that women might need testosterone replacement. Nobody really uh, bothered to look at the fact that testosterone was a female hormone. And so it just was really not prescribed. And there used to be a product, of, a testosterone product available for women that was licensed, but it was withdrawn for commercial reasons. This was before my time. And since then, there hasn't been any female testosterone product available on the NHS. And not a lot of study has gone into the use of testosterone in women. But anecdotally, I've seen it as a game changer in so many women. For many reasons. It's not just, oh, I've lost my libido. Can't find it anywhere. 
searched everywhere in every cupboard and every <laughs> every bag and I can't find it. It's not just because of that, is it? I mean, it, it's a really necessary hormone for us to have. And when our hormones are out of balance, that will affect our energy, our mood. I mean, muscle tone, it's, I think. Testosterone yeah. in my head makes me think that, you know, we'll get not obviously like really bodybuilding strong but just stronger and so sort of our muscles will react when we do work out rather than feeling really lethargic and not being able to get out of bed so is that is that a fact yeah it is I mean there isn't a huge amount of evidence behind it because people haven't done the studies historically women aren't really supposed to be sexual beings they're kind of supposed to just be there and look pretty and if they don't have a libido then it doesn't really matter and also you know in terms of women over 50 who lose their power and lose their strength and lose their joie de vivre it's like well you know they just and especially if they're starting to look a bit older it's like well they're just kind of getting old and nobody was really that interested god it really makes me so upset it makes me feel so emotional it's just like we're just sort of cast aside like oh you don't care anymore you're no longer fertile we don't need you for anything apart from cooking cleaning (laughs) very old-fashioned attitude it is how do we change this how do we have this conversation to change it i think women need to go to their gps and put pressure on them and say look i want testosterone i think it will benefit me i want to try it and then i think if enough women do that if enough women shout about it then hopefully there'll be enough momentum. But if they put up with it, then it's never going to change. Libido is massively important and it should not be thought of as being anything else. If it's a man, look how important Viagra's become. It's a a human right for a man. So, you know, they're allowed to get their Viagra. You can get over the counter. You don't even need to bloody get an appointment anymore. The fact that you can't get testosterone on the NHS is pretty much saying that a woman's libido is not her human right. I mean, I don't know whether you would agree with that. That's exactly how I see it. It's like, we are not equal. Dr. Shazadi, testosterone. I mean, so many of us women need this hormone and it's so hard to get it from our GPs. It is. It's funny that you can't get it from your GP in one way because the NICE guidelines, which is a National Institute of Clinical Excellence, cites testosterone to be used for low libido for women. And yet, if they go to their GP, their GP often usually won't prescribe it. I mean, in one way, it can be understandable that the GP doesn't want to prescribe it because there is no female licensed testosterone available on the NHS. So what that means is when a GP is prescribing it to you, they're technically prescribing it off-label. So they're taking on board some responsibility. And if they're not a GP that is familiar with menopause or it's not their strongest subject then nowadays everybody wants to sort of manage risk and keep risk low. So they're not going to necessarily prescribe it to you. But if you are somebody who wants it, you could ask your GP to refer you to an NHS menopause clinic. And I would say if you are able to afford, you know, considering how you might spend money on your hair or, you know, a pair of shoes or an outfit... I think this is a time to invest in yourself and, you know, go and see somebody, go on, talk to somebody about your hormones and spend that time and money on yourself and invest in yourself at this point in your life. I agree. I absolutely agree. It's, it's, yes, it is an expense, but I just think you're so worth it and you just can't put a price on just feeling yourself again, looking in the mirror and liking what you see, having that energy when you get up in the morning, sleeping again, getting that sleep back, the, the hot flushes and the cold shivers and the getting up to pee all through the night has robbed us of 
So I just don't think you can put a price on all of that. So I would absolutely say don't buy that extra pair of shoes. Save up your pennies and get to see somebody who's really going to help. And typically so, just what you've said, yeah. that's what women say. They say we just feel back to being ourselves again. They feel that they've got themselves back. And I think that's the important thing. Considering we've got possibly another 40, 50 years ahead of us, we want to be the best version of ourselves. We want to feel good um, and look good. And I don't think that is being vain, saying that we want to look good as well. I think, you know, it goes hand in hand with sort of women's mental health and psychology. You want to look good and you want to feel good. And I, and I don't think it's asking too much. Is testosterone fully responsible for us or me feeling a lot of libido? No. As women, lots of things impact our libido at this point, one of which is testosterone decline. And we lose almost 50% of our testosterone from our 20s into our 40s. The other factors are you're not sleeping so well. It may be that you don't like the way that you look because you've gained weight, so you don't feel sexy and confident. You may have anxiety, you may be depressed or low in mood. And also, you may have vaginal dryness, discomfort. So there are lots of factors when it comes to libido. It's not just testosterone. That is one factor, and that can very much help. But we also need to address the other things that are going on as well. Yeah, that's really interesting because that lack of confidence and if you have put on weight, there's no way you're going to want to, you know, get jiggy with it if you're just feeling really crappy in yourself. And if you're tired, I mean, if you're tired, then you're not going to be interested, yeah. Get off me, get off me! Yeah, yeah, yeah. If somebody just wants to go down the very natural route of no HRT, you know, just the whole proper natural route. Well, I'm a doctor, so HRT is natural route for me. So <laughs> I am a little bit anti the word natural because sometimes women feel that they're doing the natural thing, whereas actually they're going completely against their body, which is unnatural in itself. Mm. But at the same time, of course, my position would be to really up my educational button and try to explain them, give them examples from their life, not just from a textbook, and link it to the hormones. There are alternative therapies like acupuncture, herbal medicine that work brilliant for some people. So even if you decide to choose the natural way, don't despair. There are ways. Yeah. They're probably going to be a bit slower. Yeah, of course. In getting response. But, you know, some women swear by acupuncture, weekly acupuncture for the rest of their life, and they feel fine. Only some women sail through the menopause and they don't have any symptoms. So everybody's very different. Everybody's journey is so individual. It's unbelievable. You can never compare my symptoms to somebody else's. 100%. Let's talk about food and what kind of diet we can perhaps get on to really help us at this time in our life. So a diet rich in phytoestrogens, um, and phytoestrogens are plant-based estrogens, are diet rich in sort of tofu, a diet rich in soy. Other foods that you can get it from is chickpeas, from hummus. And you can also get supplements which have phytoestrogens in them, like black cohosh and red clover. Women can take supplements. They can have a diet rich in those foods, um, plus take HRT. It just may mean that you take a little bit less of your medical HRT because you are supporting your system from a plant-based estrogen point of view too. 
And for me, I also became really aware that there were certain foods and certain things that I'd always eaten or maybe drank that just aggravate me now and just don't agree with me anymore. What are the foods that trigger off your symptoms? Write down a food diary. Is it wine? Is it grapes? You know, what is it? Sugar. Is it sugar? Oh, bloody sugar. Yeah. Mm. And spikes of sugar. You might feel hangry at times. So the reason why I said chickpeas are also great, they're a great source of protein, um, they're a great source of phytoestrogen, and also they're what we call low glycemic index. They slowly release sugars throughout the day because what's also going on in our bodies is those hormones are also affecting other hormones. They've got knock-on effect on particular hormone called insulin, which helps with our blood sugar level balance. So what we want to do is eat foods which slowly release sugar throughout the day rather than that huge spike after a sugary chocolate bar because, you know, you can have chocolate. You know, dark chocolate is an antioxidant. It's actually a superfood. It's good for your brain. So I'm not going to say no. You know, it absolutely is a good food, um, again, in moderation. Okay, so let's talk about alcohol. A lot of women use alcohol as a crutch to help with their anxiety, to help them sleep. And actually, you know, things like addictions can really rear the ugly head around this time. Also, maybe if you've had an eating disorder in the past, you know, this is a vulnerable time for women that this can suddenly become more prevalent or they can give in to that around this time period as well. So, you know, it's important to be aware about those mental health changes that are going on which make you susceptible and vulnerable. Absolutely and I think that alcohol has a massively negative effect on me more so now than ever before. I mean I really can't drink. Firstly I get really drunk really easily. Secondly I turn into some sort of psychopath when I have had a few drinks and then the next day it's like a complete write-off. So if you're... But is that just wine? Is that just wine for you or is it anything? It's wine. It's white wine. It's really really bad and that's a reaction to the hormones as well, right? Yeah, so that, there is a medical basis to that. It's called histamine intolerance. So um, particularly wines and champagne, because your estrogen levels are a little bit high, what it does is it prevents the breakdown of your wine. So it releases histamine, which causes you to have like rashes or prickly heat or, you know, histamine is in response to allergies. So you effectively become allergic to wine. Oh my gosh. Okay? But I do... For those women out there, you know, clear spirits like tequila, gin, yes, vodka, yes, yes. this doesn't tend to do it. So that can be your alcohol of choice. And I can't believe as a doctor I'm saying this, but it's all about moderation and a bit of fun in life as well. We'll love you a bit more for that. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Shazadi promotes us drinking tequila and vodka. Obviously, insensible moderation. Um, but yeah, a skinny Obviously. bitch. A skinny bitch with soda and lime and you'll be fine. Not not a whole bottle, but just one every now no. and then. Um, and your body's not going to react and have that histamine reaction. Yes. So Naomi, how do you get lifted? What lifts me? First thing in the morning, I would just love to go for a run in beautiful Richmond Park with the sun out and the deer out. And the parakeets and um, the beautiful, beautiful scenery. I find that a total game changer. So what gets me lifted? I love putting on some Bollywood music and dancing around the room. And that really lifts me. Uh, to be honest, Lisa, if you were to ask me exactly seven weeks ago what lifts me up, I would tell you it was watching sunset with my husband. But now when I look at my seven weeks old baby and she smiles at me and it is just overwhelming and it really, really lifts me up and it's just incredible. So yeah, my baby smile. <laughs> 
Thank you, ladies. Amazing guests, Dr. Naomi Potter, Dr. Gaylina, and Dr. Shazadi Harper. I will put links to these ladies on the show notes. It's also going to go up onto the website, getliftedpodcast.com. Remember, you can send me a message there. You can also find me on Instagram, Lisa underscore Snowden. We have only just scratched the surface of the menopause, as you know. Um, I love to do my weekly menopause madness chats with Dr. Potter on my Instagram. So if you want to check out any of those, go over to my Instagram and they are all up there. Months and months of information. Talking and tackling in more detail the awful, awful crippling symptoms and what to do and where to go and how to tackle it with your GP, whether to go down the natural route or whether to go down the HRT route. Obviously, if you know me, you know I'm massively pro HRT, but it's not for everyone. Like I said, we only just scratched the surface of this episode, but we can dive deeper in the next series. Once again, just a little shout out to this amazing track. This is by Natural Symphony. It's called The Love. Remember, just by downloading, we can help to replant trees in the Amazon. It is two euros each download. So please, guys, get downloading. Continue, please, to spread the word so people get to listen to Get Lifted so they can feel and look the best possible versions of themselves. Again, I just love getting these experts to you. And I also love to read the reviews. So thank you so much for your support. It doesn't go unnoticed. I definitely love to read those reviews. So please continue. Um, And if you haven't left a review, there's still time, of course. Get up on whatever platform you are and just give me a little cheeky review and a little cheeky rate. I massively appreciate it. Right, I'll be back next week. Loads of love. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.